Welcome to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. We should renew our discussion of adequate deterrence. We've got that story plus Black Ops in Nova Scotia. But first... Happening this morning, our first segment on this New World Next Week episode will be a two-parter. The first part, some breaking news. Bayer settles Roundup cancer lawsuits for up to $10.9 billion. After more than a year of talks, Bayer agreed to pay as much as $10.9 billion, with a B, to settle close to 100,000 U.S. lawsuits claiming that its widely used weed killer Roundup caused cancer, resolving litigation that has pummeled the company's share price. The settled cases over Roundup and other glyphosate-based weed killers account for about 95% of those currently set for trial, but here is, I think, the sad takeaway on top of just the sadness of all of this. Bayer did not admit liability or wrongdoing, meaning Roundup stays on the shelves, it doesn't have any warnings on it, and they get the added bonus of now being able to say that all those wild claims were never proven in a court of law. The deal dwarfs previous out-of-court product liability settlements by other fantastic groups such as Merck and Company's $5 billion deal to end litigation over their withdrawn painkiller Vioxx and Bayer deals worth $2 billion to settle claims of harm caused by its Yasmin birth control pills, James, which I hadn't even actually ever heard of before, which shows how good they are is, of course, sweeping a lot of this under the rug when, oh, whoops, that product we warp speed to market ended up killing a bunch of people. The other bit on this part, too, the other bit of gross news from the Food World Order, Alt Breast Milk Company which should have you worried, or just in those three words alone. Alt Breast Milk Company, Biomilk, raises $3.5 million from Gates Investment Firm. Beyond Meat, Impossible Foods, two of the most well-known companies disrupting the food ecosystem, as this lamestream article notes. Now the pipeline of alt food companies include Biomilk. And it is spelled B-I-O-M-I-L-Q. And when I referenced this on the morning show this morning, James, I noted... Much like the cereal Fruit Loops that spells it F-R-O-O-T, there's zero fruit in that cereal and there ain't no milk in this Biomilk. A North Carolina-based startup targeting infant nutrition by attempting to reproduce mother's breast milk in a lab. Biomilk just earned the backing of the world's top investors, raising $3.5 million in funding from Breakthrough Energy Ventures, Bill Gates' investment firm that's focused on climate change. Breakthrough Ventures' investing coalition includes Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Richard Branson, Michael Bloomberg, and more, a real rogues gallery of just sort of the New World Order Illuminati super friends, as they like to call themselves. Biomilk co-founder CEO Michelle Eggers, a food scientist who worked on the Larabar at General Mills, which of course has the convenient initials of GM, before moving on to business school and then of course a stint at the Gates Foundation. She and her co-founder, Leela Strickland, who I couldn't find anything out about, hope that the breast milk produced by Biomilk from culturing mammary epithelial cells will help reduce the carbon footprint from the current global infant formula market, which Fortune Business Insight says will surpass $103 billion by 2026. The top infant formula manufacturers include Abbott Labs, Dannon, and of course, Nestle, which you might recall, because Nestle's been in this game for a long time, 40-plus years it's been, since, of course, they pushed their fake milk on mothers in Africa, which led to, of course... 
widespread malnutrition and death. You can read just mountains of information about the essentially the longtime Nestle boycott. And James, something that popped up on, again, on my morning show recently when I was going through This Day in History, a decade-old story, Gates Grant to Fund Testicle Blasting Contraceptive. And I think it just really shows everything he touches has to do with limiting life. It is nothing life-affirming. It's all essentially about limiting life, blasting your testicles, stopping life, and just it's this is a eugenics dream, I suppose. Exactly right. Or replacing life, or at least natural processes. Breast milk? Who needs that? We need bio-milk with a Q. It's like Dr. Nick, 1-800-DOCTORB. The B is for bargain. Biomilk with a Q. The Q is for quality or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not signing up to uh, to drink this myself or to give it to my children. Luckily, my children are growing up now and don't need that. But at any rate, uh, this is I, I like how you line these stories up because, yeah, you have the Monsantos of the world or Bear Santos or whatever they are called these days paying out tens of billions of dollars for their past uh, mistakes, we'll put it, in the Roundup market. Oops, we caused cancer with all those people, but we won't admit it in court. We'll just pay people to shut them up. And, uh, you know, done. The price of doing business. And with the most uh, widely used agricultural pesticide in the world now out there, and it's on the shelves, and it'll never be withdrawn, it's never been proven in court to cause cancer, we just paid people billions of dollars to keep their mouths shut, you know, done. And 20, 30 years from now, when biomilk cancers are are a thing, they'll be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll pay out, and that'll be the price of doing that business, right? But it's a $103 billion market, so, you know, get in while getting's good. Um yeah, there, there is, a, a, you're exactly right, there is a common theme to these types of investments, either uh, stopping life or, or limiting life or replacing life, and all of those are eugenical urges, and I think the replacing of natural processes with laboratory concoctions is part of that. Uh, and just to add another story to the mix that I actually just came across just as I was researching the, the things for today, uh, this one from discovermagazine.com. Many BPA-free plastics are toxic. Some are worse than BPA. So there you go. Let's uh, Don't worry, guys. We're taking out the BPA. But what are you replacing it with? Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. That's, that's, that's next decade's problem. You'll find out about that when you've already got the cancer from it. So these are the ways these, these laboratory concoctions go. And if only there was something that we could do. I mean, I get it. Not everyone can breastfeed. So how can we possibly provide milk to infants. I don't know. How did humans used to do it? I mean, wet nurses used to be a thing. I don't know. But anyway, I guess we'll just have to turn to the either the labs or use the soy-based or whatever infant formulas that are probably, well, definitely not nutritious and do uh, contribute to lower IQs and a range of health problems for infants. Uh, but, you know, why bring that up? No, the real problem is carbon dioxide. That's why we have to replace natural human processes with laboratory concoctions, right, James? No, no, that's it. This fits, again, I think, with, with again, everything, the powers that shouldn't be, the New World Order, the Brave New World, the, the Deep State, whatever you want to name it. One of their main, I think, MOs is essentially stealing the real and selling us back some fake version. And they do it in music, they do it in food, they do it in politics, they do it in religion. Every single area, they occult it and give us their sort of fake, phony version. James, I didn't put this in our notes, but I've been kind of wondering about this. Where, 
where do we stand on the fluoride trial? Because my worry with the fluoride trial is that it could actually set a, a terrible precedent and we'll never get rid of fluoride, much like we're now seeing in these cases. With yeah. Bayer. Yeah. Good question. I, I will put the latest update from Derek Bros in the notes. Uh, from what I understand, the uh, the trial has been uh, not adjourned, put on hold, uh, and they're requesting an, a new review from the EPA, something along those lines. But I'll put the, the actual link in so people can read about that latest update. Okay. That's, yeah, I mean, so, you know, again, we're all given the, the movies and the TV shows that it's Perry Mason, and he grills them, and they break down, and it ends in time for commercials. Real courts move very, very slowly, of course. This is New World Next Week, episode 413, and James, for our second story this week, we head over to... where are you at? Japan to bolster defense after scrapping missile system. This coming from japantoday.com. And again, everything we say will always be included down in your show notes so you can continue the research for yourself. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe said that his country needs to bolster its security posture amid threats from North Korea. I guess, James, in some ways, this sort of following last week's story of North Korea literally blowing things up. Japan should consider acquiring preemptive strike capability after having to scrap the planned deployment of two new land-based missile defense systems. Abe said, quote, we should renew our discussion of adequate deterrence we need considering North Korea's missile technology that has advanced since the time we introduced our missile defense systems. He also said that should include the capability to conduct preemptive strikes within the limitations set by the country's pacifist constitution. The question is if we should stay within the boundary when enemy capabilities dramatically advancing, Abe said, and he has long pushed to amend Article 9 of Japan's post-World War II U.S.-written constitution, which renounced war and the use of force as a means of settling international disputes and has been interpreted as limiting the country's armed forces to acting only in self-defense. James, I'll include just one easy link about Article 9. And this was something that, that, that we talked about when you were when you were tour guiding us around to some of the historical locations in Japan. Interesting stuff going on there now, man. That's right, and I wanted to bring this up this week specifically because I have talked about it, both of, or all of these issues in recent weeks. For example, a, a couple of weeks ago on Questions for Corbett, I was showing people how is Japan reacting now to the coronavirus crisis, and I was saying at that time that part of the the, oh, we can't shut, we can't lock down because our constitution ties our hands. Part of that rhetoric was about setting the conversation towards, well, we got to change the constitution. And ever since Abe came in, it's all, all been about changing Article 9. And they've re already reinterpreted Article 9 to expand their definition of what self-defense means, but they want to really change the actual wording of that. So this is another step along that direction. This also ties into a story that I was writing about in my weekly editorial last weekend. If you are not reading it on a regular basis, shame on you, because I was talking about this story. It's a pretty important story on a number of levels. Uh, but yes, Japan has scrapped the plan to uh, purchase and install a Aegis Ashore uh, missile defense system from our good friends at Lockheed Martin that was going to cost a couple of billion dollars and was already running over budget by a billion or two. And uh, they decided to scrap that. But as you say, just at the time as North Korea is coming back on the scene as the big boogeyman. You, 2017, when they first committed to buying this missile defense, of course, North Korea was the big existential threat to all of humanity. But that kind of went away. Well, now that that's back on the table, uh, just at that time, now they're scrapping this missile defense, but they're saying, 
saying, well, we need we need to still think about our defense. So you know what we need to do? We need to change Article 9 of the Constitution. So I, I'm keeping my eye on this. I, th- I think this is clearly part of the long-term agenda. But on a positive note, I note that uh, Abe is in a bit of political trouble here in Japan. He is, uh, his term as leader of the, the ruling party is set to expire in September of 2021, and he might not even make it that far because of some political scandals involving his former defense minister. So anyway, uh, I'll keep you up to date. Okay, well, I mean, like like usual, we usually get the Asia-Pacific perspective. We usually hear it from you guys first. Our third and final story is not any kind of good news, not even any kind of unmitigated or not unmitigated good news. This gets into pretty dark, I think, black ops and things going on. Nova Scotia shooter case has hallmarks of undercover operation. This coming from McLean's Out of Canada. Really interesting, long article. I really hope folks will kind of check this out. And, And I guess, fortunately... James, I'm usually annoyed sometimes, you know, you're on websites and you scroll and then suddenly, oh, I'm in a new article. And it kind of jumps and keeps throwing you to a new page. This one, fortunately, was scrolling me to the previous reports that were essentially supplemental to this Nova Scotia shooter story. So again, everything is in the links. The withdrawal of $475,000 in cash by the man who killed 22 Nova Scotians in April matches the method the RCMP uses to send money to confidential informants and agents, sources say. And again, this article filled with essentially anonymous sources from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Gabriel Wartman is his name. W-O-R-T-M-A-N. Responsible for, they say, the largest mass killing in Canadian history. Withdrew the money from a Brinks depot in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, March 30th, carrying a, well, a carry-all filled with $100 bills in the trunk of his car. According to a source close to the police investigation, the money came from CIBC Intria, a subsidiary of the chartered bank that handles currency transactions. Sources in both banking and the Mountie say the transaction is consistent with how the RCMP funnels money to its confidential informants and agents and is not an option available to private banking customers. The RCMP, meanwhile, has repeatedly said it had no special relationship with Wartman, but if he was an informant or an agent, it could explain why the force appeared to take no action on his illegal guns, his domestic assault of his common-law wife. A Mountie familiar with the techniques used by the force in undercover ops, but not with the details of this specific case in the shooting, says Wartman could not have collected his own money from Brinks as a private citizen. There's no way a citizen can just make an arrangement like that, he said in an interview. He added that Wartman's transaction is consistent with the Mountie's experience and how the RCMP pays its assets. I've worked a number of CI cases over the years, and that's how things go. All the payments are made in cash. To me, that transaction alone proves he has a secret relationship with the force. Nova Scotia killer had ties to criminals, withdrew huge sum of cash before shooting. So, James, uh, I'll throw it back to you. Does this? I'm speculating about some sort of again, like you know, uh, uh, Elohim City, some giant Oklahoma City type sting operation that maybe went awry, that went live too quickly. But watch when they turn this into the made-for-TV movie, I bet that much like those new limited hangout documentaries on Jeffrey Epstein, they'll all bend over backwards to avoid any mention of all the intelligence connections. 
Yeah, what do you want to bet? Yeah, it is speculation at this point precisely what the story is, but we can tell you what it is not. This person was not a regular commercial customer because those that bank could not possibly have given him that money. No, clearly he was involved with the RCMP or with the police in some fashion. And that will, I, I have no doubt, that will eventually come out through some sort of court document or something that eventually gets released. And then they'll just have to go, well, ooh, you know, national security, we can never talk about it again. But at any rate, we know, we, we now know that this was not some regular Joe, which, I mean, this case has stunk from to high heaven ever since it first came out. And I'll throw in a link to a, a CBC National uh, report about the police uniform and mock RCMP car that the man used were key factors in the Nova Scotia suit. Yeah, you think so? You think this guy getting fake uniforms and fake cop cars and all this, you think that that might have, there might have been some suspicion there? And the, and the whole report is like, oh, it's it's actually remarkably easy to, <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. And to, and to use commercial, non-commercial facilities that are only available to police informants and others, right? Uh, yeah, the, the truth is starting to emerge on this. But as I say, it's uh, probably not going to come out. Anyway, I haven't been cover following this story in great detail. But I did want to put it on the record here. But for people who are, are interested in more about this story and the background and context, I will direct them in the direction of previous Corbett Report uh, guest Dan Dix, who's been covering this. Uh, he has a, a new report up on transactions reveal Nova Scotia shooter may have been RCMP informant or agent. And he got gets not only into this story, but also all of the previous examples of these spectacular terror busts or plots or what have you that have been foiled by the RCMP in the past that it turns out, oh, they were they were informants, they were agents, there was a plant within the group, that kind of thing. It comes out time and time again. At this point, the actual surprise would be if there was no no informant or no, no, no sort of government uh, involvement in this kind of plot. Uh, that would be actually genuinely surprising. Anyway, I hope people will who are interested in this case will uh, will continue to follow it because, as I say, I'm sure that more details will will emerge. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's stunning to me, man. There's just there's 50 different competing psyops and conspiracies all overlapping, and it's going to take us and and everybody else and future generations. It's going to take decades to suss out the craziness that has been rolling out at warp speed these last few months. And James, I think that makes the work that you and I do that much more important. Hopefully folks know that we both have been at this for nearly 15 years each, over 10 years doing this very show. And hopefully again, I think the proof is in our pudding. There's a lot of just, you know, all the psyops, everybody fighting against each other, and you're not this, and I think you're that, and... I feel fairly confident that I've got 15 years of my work that shows I've done nothing but expose police brutality and torture of the 9-11 police state. And there's no sort of emotional games to make me think, oh gosh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm bad or something. So having said all that, James, I think I have a pretty awesome members community. Dollar, as little as a dollar a month gets folks in, news, music, memes, and more. I stream it live Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time. It is all at MediaMonarchy.com, James. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Talk to you again next week. Cheers.